Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, and we'll do verses 1 through 7. Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. Let us read together. Again, Galatians 4, 1 through 7 says this in the Word of God. Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, verse 7, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray again together, please. Heavenly Father, again, we claim the blood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're so glad that you shed your blood on our behalf. And Lord, that uh, we put our trust in that, Lord. Uh, we've been cleansed, amen, from all unrighteousness, and we rejoice in that. Lord, thank you for each one that's here, each one that's listening in. Uh, bless them tonight, God. You know the burdens of heart and home. We pray that you'd strengthen each one and the inner man with might by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you'd give them wisdom and guidance for important decisions that need to be made in their life. Lord, we pray for our young people, dear God. Watch over them and keep them safe, and Lord, protect them. Uh, in life. And so, Lord, we just confess we need you tonight. We desire you tonight. Lord, if there's somebody's here listening, uh, uh, even tonight, God, that needs to be saved, God, please work in that heart and take the seed that's been sown, dear God, and bring forth the increase to your glory, we pray. And God, we do ask you to build your local church in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, as we mentioned before, uh, we looked at chapters 1 and 2, and now we've just finished chapter 3, looking at chapter 4. We mentioned that chapters 3 and 4 were very doctrinal chapters, very doctrinal chapters. And we mentioned uh, three arguments that Paul mentioned in chapter 3 concerning uh, the argument between law and grace and all these things uh, that he's dealing with, trying to help uh, these believers. And uh, does anybody remember the ones from chapter 3? Anybody remember uh, quickly, any of the arguments from chapter 3. All right, the, uh, we mentioned the personal argument, right? He said, hey, just look, and, just look at yourselves. Just look what God did in your heart. Doesn't that tell you something right there? So look into your own heart. And then next was the next argument, right? The scripture, look into the word, amen? Look into your heart and uh, see what God's done in your life. Look into the word and look what God says. Even in the Old Testament, amen, it was clear, that, uh, amen, God was a God of uh, uh, grace. And uh, we saw the promise of Abraham and to his seed, singular, which was Christ. And that's where we got in on, on Abraham's blessings, amen. The, the, that promise that was given to his seed, which is Christ, and we're in Christ. So we got in on that. And then, of course, the logic argument. Like, man, I mean, just think about this. I mean, how could you be so stupid, right? It just makes sense, amen, uh, that we need grace, that we need grace. I'm mean, looking at all these years of the law and what? What we saw, we still fall short. So we need some help. And grace makes up that gap. So then we come in uh, here to chapter 4, and we're going to see some arguments. And we'll just look at one tonight, verses 1 through uh, 7, what we'll call the uh, dispensational argument. So what they need to understand, they need to understand the law was part of a particular dispensation, right? Or it was just given for a time period. Now, in simple terms, 
right? People say, oh, what's this dispensationalism and what are all these dispensations, you know, the dispensation of innocence, the dispensation of government, and the dispensation of uh, this and that. Well, uh, dispensation, and simply put, is just a duration, right, in which God is dealing with, a, with man or a group, if you will, in, in one sense like the Jews, uh, right, uh, uh, for a particular uh, time period, right? So you, you look at those and you see that they, they had a starting point and they had a finishing point, and so he's wanting to say, hey, uh, that's why I want you to know it had a starting point, it had an ending point. Now, uh, there's really only uh, three main groups that God deals with uh, in his word. And uh, if you want just a verse that sort of mentions all three, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32 says this, Give no offense, notice this, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And so uh, now mostly in the Old Testament, right, we see, uh, the Jews that he's dealing with in most of that time period. And then, of course, we see some things that dealing with the Gentiles. And then in the, uh, the, the New uh, Testament, of course, it's more about the church. And, of course, most of the church is Gentile, right? They tried to go to the Jew first. They rejected it. And so uh, the Old Testament, you see a, a, a lot of focus on the Jews, a little bit of Gentile. In the New Testament, it's a lot of Gentile and a, a few uh, Jews, right? There's that uh, a remnant of grace, as is mentioned. But, of course, uh, we know God's still dealing with them. So when you ask yourself, when you're reading the Word of God, you need to say, what group is God talking to? Or what groups is God talking to? So you can understand some things there. And so, of course, a dispensation deals with a certain time period. Now, think about that. Dispensation deals with a certain time period. And so you'll notice in these verses that time is emphasized. Time is emphasized in these verses. He wants to get that clear. Think about time periods. Uh, let's just give some examples. He says, uh, notice verse 1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child. So what he's saying, hey, uh, your childhood is only for a certain time period, right? You're only supposed to be a child, amen, from the time you're born, and then you reach a certain age, and you're not supposed to be acting like a child anymore. Childhood is for a certain time period. So you need to realize that. So that puts the thought of a time period in their mind. Verse 3, even so, when we were children, we're in uh, 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 bondage uh, until... Uh, sorry, right? go back to verse 2, sorry. But it's under tutors and governors, what, until the time appointed to the father. So you see there, hey, uh, even uh, uh, when the child's born, the father already has in mind, he's thinking of a certain time period, right, that he expects a change to take place in the child's life, and then he should go on and be treated like an adult or like uh, someone who, who should know some things. So the time appointed, the time appointed, we see that in verse 2. And then in verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come. You see that another thought of, hey, we were waiting for a particular time. So uh, a childhood is for a certain time. And then the father waits for a certain time to reveal something to the son once he reaches a certain age. And then God was waiting for a certain time for the fullness of time uh, uh, to come. And then uh, uh, notice even in verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant, right? So what is it saying? You're no more a servant. That means uh, uh, that you wore that maybe for a time period, but now you're entering a different time. You're entering a different phase, right, in your relationship, Right? So you see those thoughts of a, a, a time, and he wants them to understand, amen, that all these things were a certain time, and so now we've, uh, we've ended that time, and we've started a <laughs> new time. 
So uh, think about that as we talk about some things because everything runs, right? Everything going on in this world runs by God's time clock, runs by God's time clock. Let me give you a verse. Psalm 102 verse 13 says this, thou shalt rise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. So you see those thoughts of a set time and God has his time for doing things. So, you know, the world might have many time zones, but God operates in his own timing zone. You know, I often say this, uh, you know, uh, again, man, an individual, right, can reject God personally or hold back God personally from working in his life. But mankind as a whole cannot reject or hold God back prophetically, right? So God has his time period that he's going to accomplish things. So you might be able to stop him as an individual, but, but, but God's overall plan in the world, whether you ever get in it or not, God's going to do what God's going to do. I sort of like the example of that. And uh, uh, it's 2 Kings chapter uh, 2 where, where Elisha is getting ready to go off the scene. And so Elisha is following him. And you'll notice there's like three or four places, times Elisha comes up to Elijah and says, hey, God's told me to go down to Jericho. You know, you can basically say, you can do what you want, but uh, I'm going to go down to uh, 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 Jericho. And, uh, and Elijah says, as the Lord liveth, as my soul liveth, I'm going with you. But basically, Elijah says, hey, you can stay here if you want to or do whatever you want, but I'm let you know what I'm going to do, whether you come or not. And then he gets down there and he says An- another, pl- uh, another place, another place. And so basically, Elijah says, hey, I'm gonna, I-, I got some things to do. You can come along. You can stay here, but I'm going to go do them. That's sort of what God does with us. He says, hey, I'm going to c- accomplish some things in this world. And you can come or you can stay here, but hey, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, whether man gets in it or not or whether we get out. But you know what? I want to be like Elisha. God, hey, as as thou liveth and as my soul liveth, I want to be in on what God's going to do. So again, verse one says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. So notice he differeth nothing. Notice as long as he's a child, there's no difference. But listen, you're not supposed to be a child in these things anymore. We've moved on to some other things. So now, so things should be different. Now, there's no different when he's a child, but once he reaches a certain stage, there should be a difference in the relationship. And so now you've reached a stage, right, where uh, with the Jews here and these believers that, hey, we've reached a stage where things should be different in the relationship that you have with God. The relationship that you had under the law and the relationship that you now have under grace are different. There's a difference. So you must realize under grace, you are more. Under grace, you have more. So under grace, you need to understand more, amen, of what God is doing. Verse 2, because a child is what? Under tutors and governors. Governor, as they say in Britain, governor, right? Under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So he says that, you know, because children have to be taught things. Sounds like, uh, like those mentioned in Hebrews 5, 12. It says this, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God, 
and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You see, they forgot what they'd been taught. And so, hey, they needed to be taught over again and say, hey, listen, uh, you should have moved on from this is what he's saying to them in Hebrews 5. And that's what uh, he wants them to understand in Galatians. Hey, uh, that was a good time period. There was a time uh, where the law was necessary in those things. But now we've moved on to this until the time appointed. You see, we know it is appointed. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. We know that all men have an appointment with death, but God has appointed time for a lot of things. God had an appointed time for our promotion is what he wants them to have from law to grace. This was a promotion that man got from law to grace to upgrade man's relationship. Amen. God gave everybody a free upgrade through grace in his relationship with them. Right. We all like free upgrades. Right. Well, that's what grace did. Grace gave man a free upgrade in the relationship that he could have, the personal relationship that he could have with God. Verse 3, even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. Again, there should be a clear difference between a child's relationship or what a child uh, is able to do and an adult. And uh, that makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 13, 11 is a good verse that emphasizes that. When I was a child, what? I spake like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And that's sort of what like Paul is saying to them right now. Hey, it's time to put away childish things or the childish phase of this relationship between God where you had to be under the law, right? And now you can move up, amen? And, and, and you can move up to another level in your relationship with God. But for you to do that, you're going to need grace because <laughs> you can't do it on your own. The only, thing, the only way you can have a better relationship with God and get closer to God is just like the law showed you, you can't do it. But hey, if you'll realize it's all of grace, you can get in onto this better and enjoy this better relationship that you can have with God. I'm trying to get you to put away childish things is what Paul is saying here. But that's why he goes on and says, see, that there was a time for all that. It had its place. But verse 4 makes it clear. But, hey, that time period of good, right? Childhood should be a good time in our life, right? It has its place. But here it is. When the fullness of time was come, it was time for things to change. What did God do? God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. You see, but when you hear that, it means a change is taking place. Something's different now. So a change is taking place. And what was that? When the fullness of time, the, when the appointed time, God had an appointed time, amen, before the foundation of the world, God had an appointed time that he chose to send forth his son. And so he, that clock was ticking, and finally, amen, the alarm went off and said, the fullness of time was come, amen. Now it's time for some things to change and some things to happen, and that can only happen through Jesus Christ. So it says, made of a woman, made under the law. Made of a woman, made under the law. Uh, very, very, in, very important here. And so what do we see in this verse? We see his, his coming, right? We see Christ coming. It says he was sent, right? So what does that mean? It says he was sent. That means he already existed. 
right? That means he was somewhere else, and then he was sent to this place. He, that means he already existed before uh, he came on the scene on earth. He existed. That shows his deity. He existed before the law. He existed before the world. So we see his coming. He was sent. But then we see his creation. Not, 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 not the creation, but that as far as his body is concerned, right? Made of a woman. So this shows his humanity, right? His incarnation. So what the Bible, what does John 1, 14 say? The word became flesh. How did that happen? When the fullness of time, right? God sent forth his son made of a woman. The word became flesh and what among us? And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten uh, uh, son, full of grace and truth. That's what it's talking about here. That goes right along there. The word became flesh. So we see his coming. He was sent, his deity. We see his creation, right? Made of a woman, shows his humanity. But then also notice this. We see his character as God. We see his character because, right, Fullness of time, made of a woman, but notice what it says, made under the law. So what do we see here? His character. Say, what do you mean his character? Because it shows that even though he was God, he was willing to come to this earth and submit to the authority of the law during that time period. So we see his character there. Now, Christ, of course, didn't need the law. (laughs) He didn't need the law to know and keep God's standard. He was God. He knew God's standard. But he willingly made himself subject to the law, right? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, what? Who, who made himself of no reputation, right? And took on the form of a servant, the Bible says. And made himself subject to the law. So how, why? So he could be our representative and keep the law and live a life well-pleasing to the Father, right? Which we know he did. So let's see, even from the beginning, his life was subject to the law. We see that in Luke 2, right after he was born. Luke 2, 21 says this. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named to the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, Luke 2. And when the day of her purification, notice this, according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So even from, uh, uh, amen, that baby stage all the way through his life, he was willing to submit to the law. Verse 27 of Luke 2, and he came by the spirit into the temple, talking about uh, Simon there. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, what? After the custom of the law. But Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said this when he was an adult. Think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill, right? Uh, There it is. So we see here when the fullness of time was come. So what do we see here? We see Christ was born at the right time. He was born at the appointed time. Christ was born at the right time. And then we see born of a woman, right? We know the virgin birth uh, uh, was in Isaiah 7, 14, prophesied. Behold, a virgin, right? So we see that he was, he was born at the right time. And then we see he was born the right way, just like the Bible prophesied he would. Born at the right time, he was born the right way. And then, of course, we see why did he come to redeem? So he was born for the right purpose, amen? And when the fullness of time was come, he was born the right time. What Born of a woman, he was born the right way. Why did he come to redeem? He was born for the right purpose. 
So we see Christ was born under the law. Christ obeyed the law because Christ came to fulfill the law. He came according to the plan and he came according to the purpose, according to the plan and according to the purpose, which was verse 5, to redeem, which means, of course, redeem means to buy out of. Amen. We were in the we were in the marketplace of sin, slaves, right? And First Peter one eighteen says this: For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. First Corinthians six twenty: You're bought with a price. Look at this. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Boy, uh, 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 that's a good verse to emphasize uh, to young people. Because we think, oh, this whole thing about knowing God is spiritual, right? But also it tells you you're supposed to do something with your body. It matters what you do with your body, too. Hey, young people, not only does your spirit need to be right, your body needs to be right. Right. And that's why you need to uh, 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 young people, you need to preserve your body for that right person. You need to preserve your body, amen, uh, to the glory of God. It says right there again, a good verse. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit belongs to God. If you're his child, everything about you belongs to God. You are his. So uh, remember that he came for the purpose of redeeming you goes on to say that we're under the law because what? Amen. We got delivered from that. Of course, mostly the Jews that what? We might receive the adoption of sons. And we know about the, the, the doctrine of adoption, right? Because we know uh, that, that a child that is born into a family has to what? Has to wait till an appointed time Right. If you're if a Jewish child was born in the family, they had to wait for that appointed time before they they became a child of the law. Right. The bar mitzvah and all that. That's what that's about. Right. Uh, they become a son of the law there. And uh, and so they had to wait for that appointed time. But if a child is adopted, they don't have to wait for that appointed time because at that time they're adopted, they get full rights and privileges. And so that's why God, amen, we were birthed in the family, but in his grace, he didn't make us wait for an appointed time. Amen. He also uh, uh, adopted us. So we have full rights and privileges. And so what he's, what, what he's trying to say is, listen, uh, you got birthed in the family, but at that same time you were adopted, so you already have full rights and privileges. So basically the thought is this, there's nothing for you to be gained by keeping the law. Now that you're in Christ, there's nothing to be gained by keeping the law. You already have all the rights and privileges, right? Because you're, you've been adopted into the family. So there's nothing. Looking to the law adds nothing to the relationship. Looking to the law adds nothing to the relationship. It actually takes away, as we've talked about before. It doesn't add to the relationship. It takes away. Why? Because when you're looking to the law, you're not looking unto Jesus, the author of your faith. You're supposed to be looking unto Jesus, not looking to the law. Because when you, when you look at the law, you're, you're looking or trusting in something else besides the Lord himself. And we're not supposed to be doing that as believers. We're supposed to look to one person and trust in one person and rest and abide in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, why would you want to remain in childhood? 
Why would you want to remain in servanthood when you can be enjoying the privileges of adulthood, amen, and having that uh, proper relationship with the Heavenly Father? Why would you say this? Why would you remain in the dispensation of the past when you have crossed over into a better time, amen, the time of amazing grace that God wants to bless you in? Go into verse 6. Because you are sons. And because you are sons, what did God do? Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heights, crying, Abba, Father. You're sons, right? You have been promoted, amen, uh, by grace. So we saw in verse 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, right? And then in verse 6, we see that same thought. God has sent forth the spirit of his son. So he sent forth his son. Isaiah 48, 16 says this. Isaiah 48, 16. Come ye near unto me. Hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was. There's that thought again of time. From the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his spirit has sent me has sent me. The Lord God and his spirit has sent me. Jesus said, uh, Isaiah, John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came of myself, but he sent me. Jesus understood he was sent by the father and he wants everyone else to understand that he was sent by the father to redeem them. And then it says in verse six, he sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Romans 8, 9 says this, but ye are not in the flesh as believers, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his, but thank God he sent forth when we got saved, he sent forth the spirit of his son into our heart. And so we are his. And so uh, uh, Romans 8, 16 says this, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me tell you, uh, you, you, you can do all you want. The devil can do all he wants, amen. Life can do all it wants, but there's by the grace of God, there's nothing that can shake my confidence on the fact that I've been born again by the grace of God and I have a daily, active, personal relationship with the living God, because it's not here, it's here, amen. The day that I got saved, the Holy Spirit of God quickened me, made me alive, amen, because I was dead in trespasses in, my spirit became alive, amen, and I got connected. Wait, I just didn't get plugged in, amen. I got fused together, amen. We got fused together uh, right there. And so his spirit daily, amen, Bears witness, and boy, you—I you, you, mean—you can just tell that when you wake, when you, when you wake up in the morning. I, I, I'm sure it's the same with you. But when I when I get honestly, when I get up in the morning, I mean, my heart is already thinking uh, on the word, thinking on getting into prayer and all that stuff. Amen. All I need is that cup of coffee, and I'm ready. Amen. I'm ready to pray and and read. And but my but my heart's already towards there. As soon as I get up, the Spirit of God is already bearing witness uh, with my spirit. And what a wonderful thing that is. So think about it this way. The Father sent the Son into the world to get you. Amen. He sent the Son in the world to get you. But then the Father sent the Spirit of his Son into your heart to secure you, because you're sealed by the Spirit, and to guide you. 
So he sent him into the world to get you. Then he sent him into your heart to secure you and to guide you. And that's why you can what? Cry, Abba, Father. Think about that for a moment. Think about that, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 says this. Romans 8.15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage. Right? We're just where the law had you. The spirit of bondage again to fear. Notice that word again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we don't cry out in fear. We cry out in cheer. Amen. Abba, Father. Glory to God. Amen. I'm saved. I'm a child of the King. I'm heaven bound. I'm washed in the blood. Amen. I have the righteousness of Christ. Amen. I don't have to live in fear. I can live in cheer and be excited about what God has done in my life because the Spirit of God is bearing witness. The Spirit of God uh, uh, swells up in me. Amen. Kicks a honey bucket. <laughs> Over. And uh, amen. You can be excited about the Father because I have the heaven. Heavenly Father, and what is the Father's responsibility? Amen. He's promised to take me. The Father's responsibility is to provide. Amen. And he's promised to provide. His job is to protect, and he's promised to protect. The Father's job is to support and give encouragement. And so daily he provides for me. Daily he protects me. And daily, amen, he supports me. He gives me that encouragement. Amen. He strengthens me in the man with might by thy spirit and helps me on a daily basis. And so I can cry, Abba, Father, through the Spirit of God. So think about that. Because, you're the, the, because the Spirit of the Son is in you, you get to share many of the blessings Jesus shares with the Father. Well, one, you get to call him by the same name. In uh, Matthew 14, 36, Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Well, you get, to, you get to call him by the same title as the begotten, only begotten son gets to call him. Amen. You have that kind of relationship with the Heavenly Father. You get to use the same name he does. Not only do you get to use the same name, amen, you get to get in on the same glory. Jesus, in his great prayer of John 17, said this in verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. Think about that. The Trinity, Right? First uh, 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 John five seven right these these three right the Father the uh, Son and these three are one I mean you can't get any closer than that one God Amen with the three person the Triune God I mean how do you get closer than that But he says as we are one we get to get in on that and we get to get on on that glory that they share So not only get in on the glory you get in on the same love that they share uh, John seventeen twenty three says I and them Jesus praying. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Think about that. Listen, you know, not only does he love you, but he loves you like he loves Jesus Christ. Think about that. You get in on the, the, you get the, you get to call him by the same name. You get it on the same glory. You get on the same love. And man, and, and that, that's just to name a few things. I mean, we, well, we, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg, if you will. And that's why it's going to take eternity, right? That he might show what the, what's it say over there? The riches of his glory. We think, oh, people say, what? We're just going to be up in heaven praising him all the time? Oh, no, 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 no. We, of course, we'll be praising him, but he's going to be showing forth the riches of 
His glory. It's going to be almost like eternal Christmas up there. Here's something else for you to open. Here's something else for you to open. Here's something else for you to open. Amen. I mean, Jesus continue to be revealing more to us about who he is and what he has for us and what we got freely on the day we got saved in Christ Jesus. Wow. No wonder. Amen. What a wonderful thought that is. But let's finish up here. Verse 7. Wherefore, Think about this. Because, amen, you're, you're in a new dispensation. You're, you're, you're in a new time period now. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. See, and if a son, no more a servant. You're a son. John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Verse 2, 1 John 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That's what we are now. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Think about this. He says, you're no more a servant, right? You're no more a slave to sin. You've been saved. So you're no more a slave to sin. You're no more a servant to the law. Right? No more slave to sin. No more a servant to the law. So we are no longer what we were. And that's exciting. And so now we can rejoice in what we are now. And then, so we can rejoice that we're not what we were. We can rejoice in what we are now. And then we can rejoice in what we have looked forward to that we're going to be one day. I mean, it just gets better. Oh, listen, heaven too, as they say, that we may also, amen, uh, that we shall see him and be like him one day. And so we're heirs. That means we have full rights, full rights. Romans 8, 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And we know what joint heir means. That doesn't mean we get in on part of it. We get in on the whole thing. If so be that we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So bottom line, I wrote this. You know, I had to write something. So I said this, bottom line, you are a new creation in a better dispensation that can cry out with acclamation, praising your heavenly Father with adoration. Amen? I'll say that one more time. Think about that. You are a new creation in a better dispensation that can cry out with acclamation, praising your heavenly Father with adoration. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. And boy, that's just a, a little bit, amen, of what we have the day that God saved us, amen, and uh, sent forth the spirit of his son in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's pray.